You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to Fly on the Ball. Today I'm super excited to bring you my conversation with Jay Pitts. Fly on the Call has always been about the music I find inspiring, no matter the genre or the sound. So I'm really excited to bring you my conversation with the first hip-hop artist on the show. I found Jay on TikTok and really vibed with his personality. And I'm so glad that I took the extra step to check out his music, because according to Apple Music, he's actually my number one listened to artist so far this year. Personally, I think a great introduction to his music is the song Windows off the album Highly Melanated, but his newest single, Butterflies, is certainly a great place to start as well. Our conversation hits on the way he's formed a creative environment for himself that people really connect to, and building your musical career all by yourself. There's plenty more music on the way this year, so keep your eyes peeled for more from JPEGs. wanted to start off by you know talking about butterflies you know it's kind of about like wanting to maintain that feeling of like newness um the, the experience of like kind of the exciting moments in life but it's kind of like impossible to you know keep those 100 at the forefront of your mind um but also kind of like the idea of like the constant improvement um can you talk a little bit about you know the the meaning behind the song for you yeah it's it's so funny because when i wrote the song like it's it always happens for me this way where it's never as deep in the moment as it is after the fact um and that's that i mean i like that the fact that i'm like that as an artist i don't try to be it just kind of happens to where you know um it's it's the message just grows and sometimes i think back like dang i said that i wrote that like i felt like it wasn't me um but butterflies uh yeah real organic process of creation on that shout out to liam he's uh the one who produced it uh we were in the studio together creating it from scratch um just going off each other and i wanted with butterflies when i when the first lyric that just hit me was how do i feel real love with butterflies which is in essence uh a call out to that's like wanting something real like me i've been on this personal journey like all my music reflects where i'm really at in life and 2021 like after you know we had the pandemic and everything like that it was just like yo like much like everybody else i'm sure everybody wanted to escape to some capacity whether it's the nine to five whether it's everything they knew whether it's the pandemic in general and in 2021 i got an opportunity to uh take me and my wife and my daughter uh, to Africa, um, Tanzania more specifically. And because I just, I've just been wanting to chase something real and, and, and it's a big deal to go to Africa for me. Uh, one, because I've never touched soil over there. And, um, that's, that was a real spiritual experience. And, and it's just wanting to reconnect to something that I feel like I've lost or never knew and should rediscover. 
And so that's one aspect of it um, that has manifested itself in my life. Like I want to feel the realness of who I am, of what life is. Um, that butterfly, those butterflies in your stomach when you're chasing something new, that climactic feeling of like when you get a girlfriend or whatever, like whatever, <laughs> whatever the case is, you know, to recreate that in life. And I feel like we try to do that in in, in micro ways as we self-medicate, you know, e even people that are on drugs that, you know, they say it, nothing's like that first high. Like you're always trying to chase that and recreate that. And so uh, the emotional path for butterflies is really the essence of desiring more and and chasing a high in a sense for sure yeah and i mean for you also like i know this was kind of like the the first music video that was kind of like not fully diy um can you talk a little bit more kind of like the the process behind the music video and also you know it's a little bit more conceptual than your other videos as well definitely that that's that's been so freaking cool like yeah, prior to Butterflies, I've been doing everything like myself. Um, I've had help from homies here and there, but even them, they're DIY. And it's I've had like a major hand just being an independent artist wearing lots of different hats. Um, so going in with Butterflies, it was really cool to just have a whole team. Shout out Slater. And they have a whole fle fleshed out like staff that's one person for this angle, another person for making sure that it's quiet on the set, another person making sure we got snacks and another person for scheduling. And I'm like, yo, this is like a whole set for me. <laughs> you know, like I get to actually wear one hat and be an artist. And and that just felt amazing. It made the 12 hour day of shooting feel like like a day with the bros because I just got to do one thing and I didn't have to stress about like, oh, well, I'm the only one that's going to care to think about this. So let me mention this. No, they were already on top of it. So. You know, we had a whole set. We did three videos, actually, three videos in like two days. It was really, really packed in. But, you know, uh, just going to the properties and having everything set up and, you know, me just filling in and, and doing my thing and having creative control over certain parts and scenes and suggestions, just a seamless process. And I'm like, wow, this is what it's like, you know, to be somebody <laughs> that's actually doing this, like what we see on TV, but I actually get to do it. So that was that was so cool for sure yeah I, I love that the the way i think you've kind of said it in at least one of the videos that i saw on your youtube kind of like how you're trying to you know show the process and show how you continue to work and grow and you know show other people that they can do it as well um can you talk a little about kind of just like that you know that recent growth in your uh, musical career yeah definitely i i i make a point to try to be as like open and authentic as possible because I just want to be me and I'm like and, and me when I was looking at artists that I like and looked up to and wanted to follow after like kind of their career paths in certain sense like taking notes it's a lot of artists in Chicago that are doing it big by themselves like Saba you got Smino you got McJenkins Raven Lene No Name all those people that kind of collaborate and work together um even Chance and I took a lot of notes from them uh, and that really helped me. But in Detroit, it's not really any artists that exist like that, that give you like the process. They always show you the cake after it's out the oven, but never like the process of adding ingredients and just the messiness of, of, of putting a finished thing together. And seeing the process, I think, gives people hope and it makes me more touchable 
um, because I'm like, hey, I got the same 24 hours in a day, just like everybody else. You know, I still got to eat. I still got I'm not just this like walking bag of clout <laughs> that like puts itself together and, and I don't have to, you know, do anything. It's, it's still work. And I just want to be able to not only give people hope to show like, yo, if this is really what you want to do and you're intentional, you can do it. Look at somebody that's doing it, but also to look back and, and to realize where how far I've come. Um, cause sometimes you don't even realize like you're, you're living in the very answered prayers, you know, that you've been hoping for, for so long. So that's just so important to me. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of that kind of also hits on the idea of like storytelling, which you do not just through music, but with like the content creation with your YouTube and your TikTok and everything. I'd love to hear a little bit kind of like more about that, about, you know, wanting to get you know, who you are as a person out there rather than just, you know, specifically being like, here's my music, you know, let's blow it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, like, so so me, I'm, you know, born and raised in Detroit. I uh, My dad is uh, from Belize. Um, he is first generation, well, actually, yeah, he moved from Belize here. So on his side, I'm first generation here in the States. My mom's from the South. She's from uh, North Carolina. And so, you know, growing up, uh, a lot of different types of music. You know, we our culture is very heavy with the uh, Belize Caribbean culture. So we'd have parties and I'd see all my uncles and all my family and they dance. And we had a bar in the basement. And my dad actually used to be a DJ in Detroit. So we just it was real live. So a lot of uh, Calypso, a lot of soca, um, you know, but then also a lot of jazz. My dad loved jazz. My, my mother loved gospel, but also Tony Braxton, Lauryn Hill. And I w- actually, I wasn't allowed to listen to a lot of like rap growing up like that. Like, um, even though I did anyway, but like, <laughs> um, I wasn't allowed to watch 106 and Park, Rap City, BT. Me and my sister used to though. Like, I'm the middle child, and then I have an older sister and a younger brother, um, and we're all like five years apart. And um, before my brother came in uh, the picture, and before he was old enough, um, my sister used to memorize like all the R&B singing parts for like. Songs that had like J Lo and LL Cool J. I memorized the rap. She'd have all the R and B singing parts, and then uh, like Usher and Alicia Keys, you know. Um, but also other stuff like um, who who else was in it? Ja Rule and Ashanti, you know, different things like that. Um, and that's kind of where I like found out that I really have a love for music and rapping. But I also liked rhyming. It was it was kindergarten. My teacher paid me like a dollar when I got a uh, rhyme right in class. I was like the only one that got this rhyme right on this test. And I got a dollar and I'm like, yo, this is all I got to do for them to like me. <laughs> you know, so I just, just, I love poetry. Like that positive reinforcement pushed me to like just d- dive deep. And I started reading poetry books. It started literally like started off with like C-Spot Run. I, I never forget. Even my parents laugh and tell me like, you used to be sitting on the playground. We take you to play. You'll be on the swings reading C-Spot Run. (laughs) Uh, And then that eventually grew to this love of poetry where I was reading this one book called As the Sidewalk Ends. I used to tear through that as a kid and eventually, you know, grew into a love for music. But I had to do it through church. I had to rap and do everything through my youth group because I wasn't allowed. Like my mom had found (laughs) like this uh, paper doing laundry in like the seventh grade. And it was me writing this rap and it had, you know, explicitives in there and all this stuff. And she was like, not too happy to <laughs> I had found that. And so I'm like, dang, I, I still care about this, though. So I like kind of kept it hidden and still like freestyled at school and 
during lunch, that was something that I do. But then uh, as a teenager, I started rapping with my youth group and my friends really liked it. I started putting out stuff on SoundCloud with my horrible mixing skills that I had at the time. Um, but it just was what it was. It was raw and it was just me exploring that space. And eventually, you know, I got invited to come to do bigger events at the church. Like our church was big. It was like it had like 1500 members. And so we was doing big concerts and stuff. It was really nice. But then as I got older, I wanted to talk about more serious things uh, and really like, you know, I'm like, OK, like, yeah, God is good and everything. But like this world isn't as PG as the this community wants me to speak. And, you know, I'm like, God understands that, too. So I'm going to just talk my stuff. I'm going to say what I want to say and explore and, and figure that out. So that was a little process. But the whole time I'm in school, I'm uh, in college, like pursuing um, uh, what I thought would be counseling. I really didn't know what I wanted to do all the way. I had all these different things um, like accounting, like physical therapy, counseling, counseling work best because it's like. You know, they say as a child, you you become sometimes the things that your family needs. <laughs> and so, like, we definitely needed some counseling. You know, it wasn't always, you know, peaches and cream. I mean, whose family is. But like that was like, OK, I needed to sort out some issues. So school was really doubled as like therapy for me because there was a lot of uh, things going on in the family that was just jarring, like some mental health issues with people close to me um, and whatnot. And so. Yeah, that's how I ended up like after my internship, I, I worked at this uh, drug counseling agency where I would like be piss testing people to make sure that they don't have drugs in their system and um, doing like Alcoholics Anonymous and sitting in on those groups and listening to the stories of adults that either have thrown their lives away or like that are, were close or had legal troubles. Some of them didn't come back to the meetings because they had died from overdosing. So like. It was like a like like a wow factor for me and, you know, experiencing that. And so I needed a job after my internship and because I didn't know if I wanted to finish school because getting a bachelor's degree would have only put me at like a dollar more an hour for the jobs I was looking at. So I decided to go to this behavioral health unit, did not know what that meant, thought it was something with counseling until they showed me around and said, yeah, this is a high acute psychiatric facility. And I'm like in the twilight zone like okay what does this mean and as they walk me through the unit it's like seeing a preview to like and and i mean this with all respect and i've worked in psych for like six seven years so i can say this but it looked my first impression was like one flew over the cuckoo's nest like literally everything that could go wrong during this tour went wrong like there was a patient trying to fight a staff member there was one patient running down the hallway with no clothes on i'm like and this is where i'm trying to work for 12 dollars an hour but I needed a job. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take it. <laughs> and I stayed there um, and cut my teeth in the psych ward working there and just like being a, learning that I don't know anything like working in psych taught me what I didn't know about life. But it made me contemplate so much like how fickle the brain is, how close we are to pure insanity, whether that's introduction to a substance we didn't know we're genetically disproportioned uh, to or, you know, a Trump traumatic experience um, and just how it affects people different with cultures. I did a lot of listening and and that really helped because uh, <laughs> some of these patients that people will call crazy and write off know more than anything that, that anybody in this world could ever tell you or theorize. So 
yeah, that's how I kind of got into into that whole spectrum of things. That was a big part of my life, I guess, in regards to like solidifying myself as a person, being more intuitive, learning how to be patient with others and um, uh, tell some good stories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think one of my I think my first introduction to you was uh, the TikTok video that you did that was like. Uh, your rap about why you left the psych ward and then followed up with your manager's response for that. And what kind of really stood out to me about that was kind of like the knowing your self-worth and um, the kind of like positive message, you know, that was kind of like the the undertone of a potentially negative experience, like the the positive message behind it. Um, Can you talk a little about kind of that? Because I think that's something that, you know, comes across in the rest of your music as well. Yeah, like, yeah, I, I try to stay as true as possible, just telling my story as raw and real as I experience it in life. Um, but what's just working in that ward and 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 it, it was tough because you're always in a position to where, you know, you should be getting paid more. And this isn't a job that people would typically take on purpose. And you would think with that it would come with the respect of the pay, but it doesn't because um, you've got to put up with a lot of stuff. There's a lot of violence like I wish. If I could document how many times I've been attacked, <laughs> it's it's been a lot. Uh, but I was good at my job. I was patient. I I talked to people like they were people. I didn't just want them out my face to finish my shift, and and so that came with a lot of respect, but also added responsibilities. Patients relied on me, and my staff members saw that I was very easy to work with and um, agreeable and and a team player. And so um, when it was time, like for me, I felt like okay, like. They, they always say as a boss, never tell your workers what other people are making, because once you do that, all respect goes out the window. I will say I always felt like I, I, want, I needed more. And that was facts. But the moment I found out from one employee kind of flippantly saying like, yeah, like I need to be getting paid extra. This person just started was a good amount of years younger than me and you know had no experience versus mine coming from a previous facility they were making a certain amount more than me and i was like okay i kept it cool because i don't want to interfere with what they make i'm like hey whatever they pay you you should keep that but for me this is ridiculous so i'm going to my manager at the time who is a respectable person would try to do things right for everybody but she was not trying to break me off what I deserved. So like she was giving me the whole managerial runaround, the whole, oh, well, let me reach up to HR. And then it was very convenient when when uh, COVID first started to hit because she would just say, oh, we're swamped. Um, and, you know, like I'm like, you know what, though, I need this job. I, I've always had other hustles that I've done, too. But I'm like, this is what's bringing home the bacon for the family and also helping me to fund my career that I'm trying to pursue. So I sometimes you just got to put your head down, swallow your pride and just eat it. And it sucks. But I just stayed true to myself. And I knew that one day I wouldn't have to be here anymore if I put in the right amount of work and intention. But eventually she didn't budge on the on the fact that I could get a raise. She threw me like some disrespectful under dollar number. And um, so I had to leave. And I ended up leaving conveniently like the entire hospital unit had got uh, COVID pretty much. And they weren't giving us this was early, like March 2020. They weren't giving anybody any protective gear. We didn't know much about what was going on or how it spreads. And um, after that, I was like, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm just not going to go back. Um, and and I didn't. <laughs>
Nice. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it seems like, you know, the fact that you've been kind of like really grinding it out for like 10 years at this point has, you know, kind of allowed you to, you know, be at that point in your musical career where you're able to kind of, you know, say like, okay, you know, this this main job of mine doesn't necessarily have to be the main thing anymore. Um, can you talk a little about kind of like that that growth that you've experienced throughout your your time as a musician? Yeah, it's it's a very, very slow grind. They say it takes 10 years to blow up overnight, <laughs> and I definitely feel that. Still waiting on a blow up. But, um, yeah, so 2017 is when I released my first songs on Spotify, Apple Music, because as an artist, that's still a very new concept as far as like self-releasing music and being able to be on those streaming platforms. Like at that time, if you had music out on Spotify or Apple Music, that was impressive. That's that kind of sets you apart from the artists that just use SoundCloud or these other services uh, like uh, Bandcamp even uh, like which are still great services to use but it just kind of separated you but what really helped me to get after it was um, my daughter being born you know it was like okay you're about to be a dad man like if you don't start this and like push forward on some of these things um, that I was like working out and doing, then it might not ever get done. What if you're swept under all these responsibilities of fatherhood and you're not able to make time for yourself? Get popping. So I released a couple of songs there and uh, I decided like, you know what? I can't make any excuses. I got to be consistent. I don't care what's going on. Nobody cares about how often I have to work or what my schedule can be musically, what makes sense. No, I have to act like I'm single and like I have no obligations and and release my music in that fashion. And so I still maintained being a great husband and a good father and a good artist. And it was hard, but I knew like if I could make it through this, once I did make it and I could create the world I wanted, then it would be so much easier to be the person that I want to be. But it was a slow grind. It, it it took me a lot long. It took me way longer to make to get to the point to make a hundred dollars a month <laughs> off of music. But the thing about that is, when you're consistent, it might take you like like let's say with YouTube, like it's a lot easier for you to go from a thousand subscribers to ten thousand subscribers than it is for you to go from zero to a thousand. Like the beginning is the hardest part as an artist. But if you can make it through that and be consistent, then it's only going to get easier from there. Like I don't my I think yesterday I got a thousand new followers on TikTok probably. Uh probably a little bit more than that. But I can't really count that anymore. It doesn't really matter. It makes a big difference when I'm going from 9,000 to 10,000. Like if I that's where I'm at on Instagram, I need to get to 10k. But on TikTok, I got 850K. It doesn't really, it's on the big scheme of things. It's a drop in the ocean. I appreciate it. But that is like you get to that point to where now you need to see bigger things in order to be uh, to be moved. And I can't wait to get to that point in my career to where it's like, it took me all this time to make $100 a month. But now it's a lot easier. Maybe I can go from 1000 a, a to 10000 a month a lot easier, you know. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of been the process. Yeah, I mean, sort of kind of like wrapped around that is, you know, the fact that you've gone, you know, viral multiple times with, you know, whether it was like your music like Windows or some of your like, you know, other content that's non-musical. I'm curious how that kind of has affected, you know, your music side of your career specifically. Oh, yeah. Yeah. TikTok has, man, I, I 
Gary V was the one talking about TikTok. Everybody should be on TikTok. You need to hop on TikTok. If you're not on TikTok, you're losing. And I was listening to Gary V. I was listening to anybody that had anything helpful to help me as an independent artist to figure out what I need to do because nobody's going to do it for me. And I'm like, you know what? Let me get on TikTok. Let me see what's going on. I posted like some like two cringy like skit videos just to see. I didn't know how this app worked. I'm like, it seems like for little kids, like what's what is this? But Gary V said do it. So I posted these two videos and I checked after like a day or two to see how they were doing. One had like two views, one had three. I had no idea how this app worked. So I was actually supposed to delete it right there. I was like, all right, I'm gonna just delete it. But I forgot. And so the day after that, I'm looking at my phone and TikTok has like 99 notifications next to it. And I'm like, what the heck is this? So I open TikTok and I uh, go to my notifications and see that one of my videos has like 30,000 views and another one has 8,000. And I'm like, nah, this is some bot stuff. Like these aren't even that good. What the heck? Let me, I looked at the comments there. I checked the profiles. People are showing love. I'm like, okay, all right, let me see if I can do some music stuff then. So I started doing remixes to like songs that were out at the time. I was doing a lot of Doja Cat remixes and it wasn't, this was 2019 summer. It wasn't a lot of people really populating those hashtags and that and satisfying those niches I realized as I was searching. And so I was able to like be one of the first to like get those views and get that attention. And I was getting a lot of love, like, it's TikTok inflation is real. Like 200,000 views on TikTok now is not the same as 200,000 views on TikTok like in 2019. Uh there were less people on the app, it was less flooded. Uh the algorithm was different. And so I was getting a lot of love. Even TikTok jumped in my DMs on Instagram like, "Yo, the Doja Cat remix was fire. Keep it going." I'm like, "Oh, wow." Like I felt more famous then on TikTok with less than 100k followers than I do now with like almost a million. Because there's so many people famous on TikTok now. And I feel like uh, I, I would joke with my wife and tell her, like, TikTok is literally like uh, that quote from Syndrome in The Incredibles when he's like, when everyone's super, no one will be. <laughs> and it's like every fame is being handed out like, you know, a dollar. Um, but doing that really helped me. But I almost my page almost got taken down like six different times by TikTok for whatever reason. When I was doing my remixes. They were started giving me community guidelines violations for like they would say uh, heuristic content or bullying. I'm like, what am I saying? I, I, I wasn't saying nothing egregious. I never disrespect the artists because the goal would be if they see it, maybe I can get a collaboration. But the but the this is this is a thing that big creators or any creator really complains about random community guidelines violations that don't make sense. So uh, my sounds were getting muted. My videos were being taken down. And then I started getting violations for community guidelines breaches. And I'm like appealing and then they're not being approved. So I had to uh, pivot my content to more skits. And I'm like, OK, so maybe if I just drive up attention and followers from skits, then I'll have enough people to present my music to because I know it's good enough to, you know, they'll like me. So they'll like what I do. Then those started getting not that much attention so i said okay let me try these memoji videos i would go on my iphone i would take the memoji creator where people create themselves and i would create celebrity lookalikes <laughs> and i created a lot of them and whatever song was hot at the time i was making like artists look like them and i would remix their hot song to mean something whether i would make it about uh fast food 
and then I started doing some like joking about like some of the things, current events, like things going around with uh, the pandemic. And th that was going crazy. Like my biggest video to this day is uh, like this Memoji that I did of Roddy Rich the box. And it got like almost seven million views. And then those started getting community guidelines <laughs> violations. So I'm like, man, what am I going to do? I was really down in the dumps for a little bit trying to figure TikTok out. And then I uh, decided, you know what, let me see. Let me share some of you. People have always told me, like, you know, if you share your you, some of the experiences you had in the psych ward, that might be something that, you know, people really want to hear. So I started uh, sharing those stories and, you know, here and there, see how people would take them in. And eventually people were really gravitating towards them. And that was cool. And that created a whole nother community of people that liked what I did. But I'm like, OK, but how am I going to bring this attention back to my music? Because <laughs> this is something that I've been doing to keep my page alive. So I've just been off the cuff coming up with different cool ways, whether I'm inserting it in the comment section or trying to be personable enough to where people feel like if they fall in love with me, they'll love my message. And then most notably what you even saw, uh, like creating like a collab of like, hey, I can rap about these stories and pretty much talk about anything over any beat. This might be a way to be like, wow, great story, but also, wow, you're a great artist. And then I can plug my music. So, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, that kind of idea of, you know, the, the constant creation is really interesting to me, especially, you know, because I come from a more like DIY rock side um, where it's like, you know, still somewhat album oriented, especially the way I choose to listen to music. Um, but like it was really interesting to me, like when uh, in one of your videos promoting butterflies, you're like, this is the first single of the year, not like the first single of, you know, this album. Um, can you talk about kind of like that, just the, the general, you know, the drive to, or the need to constantly create content rather than, you know, focus directly on your music? Yeah. I almost, it's like, it's like a, it's like a double-edged sword because content can really help drive up the attention to your music. But at the same time, I, I as an artist that just knows that what I'm doing is enough for people to get, uh, to have conceptual like thoughts and everything, I wish I didn't have to do so much to bring attention to my music because it kind of to me, in a sense, I I don't feel like the listeners feel this way. But me as an artist, I'm like, it feels like sometimes putting in all this work for content can water down your actual message if you're not careful, because it's like I made the song because it's everything I want to say the way I want to say it. So why do I need to say something else in order for you to get to what I'm trying to get you to hear? It's but at the same time, it is it's just a new space. We're in a new time and new a way that people uh, digest content. And, you know, everybody's competing for attention. And so you got to do some pretty cool things. Eventually, I, I see it to where I won't have to do that anymore. Like I'll, I'll create content because I want to. But in the in the race of things of where I'm at now, I have to, uh, you know, create things that people can relate to to lead them to the music that they'll relate to even deeper. And um and, and, and do it from that uh, standpoint. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, speaking specifically musically, um, I, I feel like there's a big jump in sound between like, I've never been in California and like Monopoly kind of around the end of 2018, you know, kind of to more of a focus on melody over just the, the lyricism specifically. And then there's kind of, you know, 
this other big jump uh, for Highly Melanated where you're kind of like even taking another step forward, kind of experimenting with new styles and everything. Uh, can you talk a little about kind of like your growth musically? Oh, definitely. I, I've always had an interest in all types of like different, like hip hop is like jazz in a lot of ways. Jazz kind of takes liberty uh, to just do certain things, whether instrumentally or, or, or sonically or whatever, uh, that's just kind of made up. And hip hop's the same way that there's all these sub genres, you know, uh, that you can use. And I've grown up listening to so many, um, you know, whether it's Lupe Fiasco, who can do pretty much anything. He's done rock collabs. He's done like like uh, super underground hip hop collaborations to like the big pop records. And so because that is where a lot of my influences, uh, what they were doing, even like Kanye West, that's what I ingested and and could mirror. And also my background, you know, with my mother being from the South and the culture that comes with that, my dad being from Belize and the culture that comes with that. It's hard for me to be one thing. And I like uh, showcasing my ability and in other genres, um, even even with my EP. I released an EP last year or was it 2020? I think it might have been 2020. Um, yes, 2020. And it was, uh, it, it was actually while I was sick with, uh, Corona and I had, uh, it was called stuck in my bedroom cause I was literally quarantined. <laughs> um, and, but it was called stuck in my bedroom because I also used like, um, bedroom pop instrumentals and experiments it with that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been a lot of different changes, but I would say like me, it's, it's, I've always had the plan of wanting to re- anything that that's being heard right now is, are, are things that I've always envisioned for myself uh, to get into. I just didn't know how or when. Um, it was just a matter of, you know, when. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. And I mean, Highly Melanated specifically is kind of like, seems like your music has really taken a focus on kind of like lifting up the black identity and culture and kind of discussing black issues. Can you talk a little bit about kind of like moving your mindset in, in that direction more specifically? Yeah, yeah. That's that's definitely one of the areas that I that I like to, uh, you know, speak on in my music because of just the ever changing and unique experience, black experience in in the States. Um, And that definitely and my mind has even pivoted even more after, you know, being in Africa and just looking at America from the outside. But like, yeah, it's just it's just it's one of those things that I feel is very important uh, to tell my perspective on because there's so much things like so many people that think for black people, uh, even in politics, that's just like, well, you should believe this. If you don't believe this, you're not black. And then all this craziness of like different things of like, so I'm like, I'm going to just tell my perspective, the way I see it, the way I live it. And also for others to be lifted up sonically, because I'm, I'm really tired of like, seeing things like I was just talking to my dad uh, when we were um we were watching the Super Bowl together and it's like certain stuff just don't hit the same anymore like seeing end racism on the on the football field just seemed kind of corny to me now it's like okay like uh let's actually like like where are we what are we doing you know why are we depending on other people to do things that we know we deserve to have and so I, I've never been one to be a victim or to wait on a handout you know so I, I love to just like uplift our people from the fact that we do have beautiful culture. It should be celebrated. And instead of trying to get detractors or people that don't rock with us to like us and to value us, I feel like that's been the focus for some people. It's like, let's just talk to the people that already do. Let's build there. And there's a lot more to be gained in that arena 
than to, you know, be yelling at the people that already don't rock with you. Um, <laughs> you know, so that's so that's been it's ever changing. So even from highly melanated, I have even uh, elevated from certain planes of thought uh, that, you know, have matured. And, you know, so I just put it out there as I am. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I think you've mentioned kind of like the idea of uh, collaboration kind of furthering your musical vision. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about kind of like the the writing sessions you've done in Nashville and, you know, the collaborations as far as like features on, you know, other people's songs and kind of how that has affected your your writing process and your music moving forward. Yeah. Um, So writing sessions have been dope, like with with uh, the pandemic and everything, some of them had to be virtual, which was different. I have two particularly dope sessions that I've done with some producers over Zoom that was were surprisingly good because I like the realness of like being in the studio, like seeing people in the f- flesh, creating things organically, slowly, slow baked. But, you know, I don't have the convenience to do that as an artist at this point when, you know, you got to make the money to buy the time. <laughs> um, but being in Nashville was pretty dope because number one i've never been to nashville to appreciate it and see like where they stand as far as a musical city uh you know because we always hear about la new york and then for hip-hop it's atlanta um and then detroit is in the past mainly because it was motown and then chicago definitely ran with that and did their thing even currently but just working with other artists like liam for instance has been uh fire because liam liam is all rock you know and and more into I'm, i don't even know all of the genres of rock but um you know so to get with him i was excited because i like when there's somebody that has something different to offer because it's going to challenge me to not think in a predictable way um and we hit it off so that was a lot of fun and then as far as features features are really good i like i like doing features because it challenges me because i want when i think of approaching a feature i'm like how can i get the person now, I want to be able to be good for the person's song, but I also think, like, how can I get the listener that hears this individual song to say, who is that guy, <laughs> you know? So I try to approach every feature with, like, sometimes even with more, you know, intention than my own songs because I can take my time over here because if you here, you want to be here versus the feature. You might be here for them, but if I want you to be here for me too, <laughs> I got to really show out. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned kind of, like, really hitting off with Liam and I know you kind of have mentioned in your vlogs that he was kind of your, your main partner as far as laying down your current project and you've already laid down some stuff with the new EP so uh, I'd love to hear a little bit more about you know what's coming in in 2022. Oh yeah definitely um so uh butterflies is the first single from the ep that is going to be called uh J against the galaxy i just love that name it's it's an exploratory name that represents the state that i feel like i'm in uh it's so funny because one of my friends who's also an artist and he just doubles as a fan has just been listening to my stuff and me his and he said bro i feel like jay against the galaxy is like related to freefall and I looked at him like he was Narwar, and I'm like, how did you know that? <laughs> you know, I'm like, how would you know that? But it's it's crazy because Free Fall was about like, you know, first song nine to five ever is like me quitting my job. I quit a job and I wrote that song in the car on the way from quitting. And I'm it's like the jumping, hoping that I have wings or and if I fall, it was me trying. I, I could always say at least I tried to bet on myself. And then Jay Against the Galaxy is 
escapism. So I'm free, but I still realize where I'm at and what's around me is just not where it's at. That's a lot of stuff. I just need to escape. And maybe escape means to find something completely new or to go back to an old way of doing things that I've forgotten. And um, so that's going to be coming. I got more singles coming out. So I got one dropping next month with a video and then one the month after that with a video, all of which is going to be on Jay Against the Galaxy. Then we're going to be dropping the EP, uh, I think, either May or June. And I got two more EPs after that. So I'm hit, I'm really hitting the ground running 2022. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's intense for sure. You mentioned Nardwar. I got to ask, what's what's the deep cut question that you would or wouldn't want him to ask about <laughs> that's a really I, I literally joke about this all the time like what would be my question that would make me like look at Nardwar real funny like like are you the feds bro um <laughs> i don't know i joke about that though like he would have to he would have to say something that like came from a specific part of like my childhood like it you you almost nardwired me really like when you when I saw that you had got the uh, the um, the music on Bandcamp. <laughs> Listen, I, I was like, yo, like I haven't heard myself from that EP probably since the year it came out, and I didn't know that was still out there. And I'm like, yo, that is like not even what I'm on anymore. <laughs> so if Nardwire was just like a cutoff conversation, I'd be like, Nardwire, bro stop where did you find this where is this on the internet waves that might be one that throws me off <laughs> i will have to admit i i supported that on bandcamp because it was bandcamp friday i didn't get a chance to download it and then i went to check it out today and saw that it was a call yeah see i didn't know that was you i was like i got a notification i'm like who's still getting this <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> like why is this still out here i mean i can still send it to you it's just it, this was during the year of a the a transition of 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 uh, topics. It was definitely like more uh, faith based, even though it was reaching outside of that. But I was always circling back. I was discovering myself and still breaking from the mold of where I was bound to growing up. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, and I mean, I always I always like to wrap up the same way, which is by asking for either a piece of advice or something you've been thinking about that you want to share, whether it's music or life or anything else that's been on your mind? Yeah, the thing that's been consistently on my mind and that's been helping me is like, you know, I've watched a lot of artists. I studied a lot of artists that I looked up to and took notes. And it's very easy to get into the comparison phase and to be like, okay, I got to do that or I got to do this this way. And I used to think that it was super corny whenever somebody told me, just be yourself, focus on you and just be you. I'm like, great what's that um but i would say to other artists like you really got to find out who you are and put that out there because you know it sounds cheesy and corny but you don't want to be another version of somebody else like if kobe bryant you know wasn't kobe bryant who would he be you know we wouldn't know him we know him as kobe because he did kobe that's why growing up and playing basketball in the neighborhoods whenever we do fadeaways we say kobe because he did the work he had to he took notes from michael jordan he took notes from scotty pippen and a whole lot of other people but only kobe can do what kobe can do and only jay pitts can do what jay pitts can do so i have to approach the music in a way that fits with me and i have to use everything that's around me to push myself forward you know maybe somebody some kids that i talked to in 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 the hoods of detroit you know um that 
don't have the money, that don't have the studio time or whatever. But I'm like, but you have a phone and you have a unique personality and you have this comedy. I don't have that. That can push you, you know, use what you have and don't make excuses um, because what you have is always uniquely different and, and more beneficial than what somebody else doesn't have, you know. Yeah, I love that. I feel like that it adds up a lot to, you know, the way I've I've perceived your persona online. So that, that makes a lot of sense that you're saying that. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I'm glad that the perception comes off that way. I never know how people actually <laughs> see things. So I'm always surprised when it's good. I'm like, OK, OK, cool. Yeah. I mean, is there anything else that we haven't uh, hit on that you've been really you know excited to get out there? Um, no, not really. I'm just, I'm just glad about, I'm so happy to finally be back releasing music. Um, 2021 was the longest time I've ever went without releasing music. I always release multiple times a month, uh, multiple projects throughout the year, but you know, 2021, I spent time, you know, getting to know my management, you know, lowering up and getting my team set up and just recording a lot of music. And I felt like a patient farmer planting seeds that he knew wasn't going to be you know, edible for a while. <laughs> and so, you know, butterflies is like that first spring's bud of like, all right, it's starting. So I'm just excited to roll out and hopefully by the end of this year, have a great big harvest. And there we go. That was a really exciting one for me. And I hope you enjoyed it too. Please do go ahead and check out JPEGs. Highly Melanated is a fantastic album. I'm so excited to hear more about what's coming from Jay Against the Galaxy. I have to admit, it felt really good to be compared to Nardwar. While he's not a direct influence on what I do since I've only found his interviews more recently, his deep dives really do feel very much in line with what I try to do, and it always makes me happy when people jive with that. Until next time, I hope you have a great week, and I'll catch you back here next Thursday. Flying the Call is brought to you by Sound Talent Media, in partnership with Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you as always to The Alternative for helping to promote the show, Jariah for the theme song, and Michaela Jean for the artwork. You can keep up to date by subscribing to the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at FindTheCallPod. Feel free to email any questions, comments, or other feedback to me at FindTheCallPod at gmail.com. Believe in yourself and take an active role in shaping your reality. Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard.